Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with Mike Chark from Canada. So we're going to have another Canadian fun show, and we're going to hear his origin story. But first, thanks sponsors, Topps Panini, Upper Deck, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stady Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, and Comc.com. I think all of the sponsors love Canadian customers. So welcome to the show and uh, look forward to reconnecting with you. We had a brief connection many years ago that you will share that story. But again, welcome to the show and tell us your hobby origin story. Mike Chark. First of all, uh, I want to say, and I know others have said this, but I'm really thrilled to be doing this with you. I am a, an avid listener of the podcast. And the first time I heard it, I said to myself, I have to be on this. I have to be some small part of this. So thank you for having me. I, I can crystallize my first real hobby experience. And believe it or not, I was four years old. I was born in 1966. And my father had a friend who owned a drugstore. And I remember my brother and I sitting in the back seat of my dad's car, opening a pack each of 1970 peachy hockey cards. Because if you were a Canadian youngster, you collected hockey, much like an American kid would have collected baseball. I, I know that was the year because years later, when I got back into this, that those 1970 cards opened up a window in my brain. It was an instant connection. So at four years old, I like to think I started this. Throughout the school years, again, this is in the mid-70s when there was a hobby, but I wasn't aware of it. I always remember when kids would play, there's different names for it, but when you throw your cards against the wall, Topsies or Flipsies, I never, I, I never understood why people wanted to destroy their cards, and I'd never let anybody touch mine or handle mine, so I kept, it, I kept them pristine for the time, and every year in January, that's when Opeachy cards hit the Vancouver area, and I remember a couple times at lunchtime sitting in school in the middle of January. I would go to the drugstore every day at lunchtime and see if they were in, and you knew they were coming, and you knew they were coming, and you'd feel so let down when you didn't see that box on the counter. And then that one day when you went in and it was sitting there, you just had that palpable sense of endorphins releasing as an as a eight or 10 or nine-year-old, whatever. And then another like sort of life-changing moment for me, really, without making it sound too dramatic, is in 1980, my father went on a trip to Nanaimo, BC, which involves taking a ferry, okay? And I went with my dad because I wanted to spend time with him. He was a very hardworking guy, and I would do anything to just be in his presence. And I remember him asking to buy me a hockey news magazine, similar to the sporting news, at the, the uh, gift shop. And I remember sitting there, leafing through the magazine, and I came upon a full-page ad for a company called Cardophilium. Now, you may recognize the owner's name because you've touched on him in a few episodes, Andrew Piwawarchuk. Yep, yep. And I, I, he had, in the corner of the ad, a book. He'd written a book, a hockey card checklist and price guide. Dr. Beckett, I could not believe there was a book about hockey cards. I, I stared at that ad the whole trip to Nanaimo, during the trip on the way home, it was $3.95, which was a lot of money to a kid in 1980, believe it or not. I sent away for that book, and I called my mom from school every day to ask if it had arrived in the mail. It probably took a month to come, and it seemed like a year. When the book came, I remember I wouldn't open it. I just wanted to know it was there, sitting on my counter. I finally did open it, and I just, I was, I wasn't a great student. I didn't love school. But I memorized that book. I read that thing cover to cover, and I still have it in my library, that original book that I ordered, and I have a lot of books about the hobby. And then I started to order cards from Cardophilium. 
that led me to around that, this was around 1980. So around that same time, it's funny how things work out. The first card show ever held in Vancouver took place. Okay, this is all within a few months of each other. That first card show was in June at a place now called Nat Bailey Stadium, but it's where it used to be called Capilano Stadium, where the Vancouver Mounties played. Okay, the Vancouver Mounties and the Vancouver Capilanos played there in, in the Pacific Coast League throughout the 50s and the 60s. The first card show they ever had was at that stadium in the concourse. And I remember that show walking in because I'd really only seen pictures of the cards in this book, okay? Much like, I'm jumping ahead a bit, but your first, I don't know if it was the first Beckett, the hardcover edition of the baseball, because the, the monthly didn't exist yet. I think, did you have color pictures in the first issue or did that not happen until the second one? Do you recall? There was, a, there was a center section. In the first book. Okay, because I found that book in and around the same time and seeing pictures of the cards was color pictures, just again, opened my eyes to baseball, opened my eyes to what else was out there. But I went to that first card show and I took every dealer's business card. There's probably 12 or 15 guys there. I took every business card of theirs and I went home and most kids around that time would have had the famous Farrah Fawcett poster on, the, on their wall. I had local baseball card dealers on my wall and, and I'd phone them up and they, this was before call display. This, yeah, I was so enthusiastic and I'd want to sit and talk about cards and you're just a young guy. What did you do yeah. for money? You're, uh, so, so this is the thing. So I, my parents owned a, a clothing store. They were hardworking people, built it up from nothing. And I, I decided, okay, my parents aren't going to give me any money for cards. I'll get a job. But I was too young to get a job. So I started to work for my, my father at his store. And, and any money I'd get, there was a, maybe one or two stores at the time, but they weren't card stores. They were bookstores that sold comic books and sold cards. And I remember the one I went to was called, da, 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 now I'm having a brain cramp. I'll think about, I'll think, oh, Collector's Books and Comics. And when you go in there, the roof would actually leak. So you'd be looking at things and you'd, you'd like rain would hit your head. But this guy, David Granis, had an incredible amount of stuff, Dr. Beckett. Everything was in a binder behind the desk. You'd, had to go, you'd have to go ask for it. But I can tell you, I remember in his, in his baseball binder from the 1952, he had a mantle in there. We can talk about 52 tops high numbers in Canada all you want. We can, Have you been in uh, Western Canada the whole time? Yes, born and raised in Vancouver. Because, yeah, there were 52 tops high numbers. I, I've, I've been doing this for a long time, and I think I've pinpointed most of the areas where the high numbers might have were but um so i started buying cards there any money that i could get but mainly uh, hockey mainly hockey because that's what i knew flash forward a little bit and around 1985 we started to have more shows but i couldn't understand why when i go to a show i didn't see a lot of older cards like i was also i had found sports collectors digest I had found the Trader Speaks. And, and I want to tell you one story I was thinking about. I have to go back a little bit. In 1981, my father had a store on Granville Street downtown. Anybody that knows Vancouver will know that. And right beside him, there was a magazine store. And one day I walked into the magazine store and I saw Baseball Cards Magazine. Okay, the first issue, do you remember that? Baseball Cards Magazine. And again, I couldn't believe there was a magazine about baseball cards. I bought that magazine cover to cover i used to stare at like hall's nostalgia ads mid-atlantic coin exchange with their uncut sheets and and that opened my eyes to baseball and the crazy wonderful thing about this hobby is i didn't know anything about baseball i really didn't and through through scd through the trader speaks i learned about willie mays mickey mantle hank aaron roberto clemente 
not so much their exploits as athletes, but through the baseball cards opened up this, this realization to me of how many wonderful, amazing old baseball cards and players there were. But the crazy thing was the cost of baseball cards in those days, like a Mickey Mantle 1956 Topps card in 1985 might have been $12, okay? And the equivalent Gordie Howe card was five. And I always remember the more expensive cards, like a $100 card or a $1,000 card, thinking, who has, a, who has that kind of money to spend on cards? Who, how can cards be worth so much money? And then back to where I was a few years later, when I would go to shows in Vancouver, I, I always uh, got frustrated why I didn't find or see a lot of older cards. There were some, but it just didn't make sense to me. Where was all the 50s and 60s stuff? So then I went to a, we had a something in Toronto, a family thing. Again, it, happy coincidences. There was a card show in Toronto when I was there. And I went to that first card show at the Lakeshore in Toronto, Ontario. And when I walked in that room, Jim, it was probably like someone walking into the national convention. Just the, the scope, the size, not that it was a huge show, but it was three or four times the size of anything I'd seen. The amount of material was overwhelming to me. And I, I realized after a few years later that really you take a company like Parkhurst, which would have been the Bowman of hockey cards, okay? But Parkhurst did not have strong distribution past Ontario and Quebec. Most of the older hockey existed in those two provinces. So what I started to do was I would get on an airplane in Vancouver on a Saturday morning. I'd go to Toronto or Montreal. I'd spend the night. I'd go to a show, which usually was in a hotel. I'd buy as much as I could. I'd fill up a big briefcase. I'd get on an airplane and I'd come home. And nobody here could figure out how this young kid had all this older stuff. So in a way I was importing, exporting without realizing it. But when I think back now, it's so funny. We, there, it was just such a different time. There was no condition, didn't, it existed, but it didn't. Knowledge really wasn't there. Oftentimes at a card show, it was what was under the table, not what was on the table. You had to really learn on the fly. And um, so I started to do that. And then I became friendly. Again, I don't know if this name will mean something to you or your listeners. It might. There was a gentleman in, in uh, St. Estache, Quebec, called Ronald Villeneuve, Collection de Sport AZ. Ronald Villeneuve was like a, a teacher to me. And it he was started, a very, a very a strong contributor, as Andrew was in the early Price Guys. Ronald was, uh, was, uh, he was more French. Yes, very French. I had some dealers yeah. that come over here, very knowledgeable, had great stuff. Mike, I'm worried we're not going to get up to 1994. Do you want me to really well, speed we're up? We're running out of time. If I we, know. I'm sorry. Yeah. A few minutes, but yeah. you know, tell us about 1994 because okay. I, I, I got a kick out of that. And I think Okay. So, it, it, so I had been doing this since I was a young kid and the hobby started to get really crazy is in the 90s with the boom years, the early boom years. And I, I didn't really see a place for me anymore. I was overwhelmed with things. And I, I just got out. I didn't, I lost some of my mojo. And then I, again, I'm trying to remember how I found out that Beckett Publications was hiring. And I must have in those days, again, it's going to sound crazy. I must have written a letter. In fact, I'm sure I did. There was no email. Well, well we had uh, readers kind of things and the hockey magazine was going strong. Yes. But basically, we didn't advertise other than just like in the owner's box or at the beginning of the magazine. We'd say, hey, we're looking for help. We're hiring. Uh, we would have put that in the hockey magazine and word of mouth or if you were. I, I think I read it. I might have read it in the magazine, Jim. And I, I know I wrote a letter and I sent it off. And then I got a phone call from Beckett Publications. And again, this is a long time ago. I don't remember everything, but I remember talking to someone, much like we're doing right now, in a sense. And after that, I got a follow-up phone call asking me if I'd like to come to Dallas to interview in person. And I was blown away. 
I, I was, I couldn't believe it. And I know when you're younger, you do a lot of things without thinking you get older and you contemplate everything. I was on an airplane to Dallas and I, I remember Al Muir, who is like a fixture, uh, at, still is, at Beckett, picking me up at my hotel the next morning. I was probably very nervous. We drove to Beckett Publications. I was uh, shown the whole infrastructure. I remember being amazed at the room, Dr. Beckett, where the magazines were getting ready to go. There was forklifts and just floor to ceiling publications, this huge area. And I remember realizing the scope, the reach of the magazine and not, not really being aware of that before. When you see it at your local hobby shop or a show, you don't think about the steps to where, what, how it gets to where it's going. And um, at the end of the interview, I remember I was told I was going to uh, talk to you. I remember walking into your office. I remember you were on the phone. I think your phone rang a lot. I think it kept ringing and uh, you were very nice. We had a good talk. I think probably much like we're doing now. I'm not really sure, to be honest with you, where I would have fit in at the magazine. Like I, my idea, and I, I know I presented this was, remember the article Larry King wrote in the USA Today, where it was just this, these random thoughts, just these, just random thoughts on the state of the world. I wanted to do that on the state of the hobby. And I, I remember one of the Beckett guys asking me if I'd done any charts or, or things with numbers. I wouldn't have been good at that, but I knew enough guys and I'd been going to shows and buying and selling the stuff my whole life that I thought I had I remember reading the magazine and thinking, I don't know, I think that card should be more or that card should be less or this card's very hard to find and maybe people aren't aware of this. I thought I could use my knowledge to my man on the street kind of thing. And I'd phone some guys up like Ronald Villeneuve, who I was very close to, who was buying and selling this stuff every day. And I know you touched on it where the challenge of the Beckett magazine was accurate pricing. And I wanted to give the real accurate market report of what was going on, but I don't think the magazine needed me or needed that at the time. But I will say in everything that I've done in this business, that is one of the highlights of it was that interview and meeting you and touring the facility and at least having an opportunity. Mike, thanks for being here today. I need to get you back to finish some of these stories, but uh, we're, we're going to stop now. But I'll just say this. We did not invite very many people to come interview. That was a, a mark of distinction on your part that we really thought you could help us. The other thing that I would bring up is that uh, 94, somewhere in there is when we had the baseball strike, which really threw our company and the whole industry for a loop. So, right. but anyway, thanks for coming and having faith to jump on a plane and check us out 26 years uh, ago. It, it was and, a great uh, memory and I, I hold it near and dear and uh, it's on my Mount Rushmore of what I've done in this. Uh, in well, this. It's, it's good to reconnect and uh, listeners, thanks for uh, being here today. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. Thanks, Mike Chark. So long, everybody.